Hey parents, whether you're going back to school or learning from home, the Preschool Box is here to help. The Preschool Box is all about helping children unlock their potential by making learning fun. Each month, the Preschool Box will send you a box packed full of engaging and educational activities with a focus on reading and math skills that will prepare your little one for success in school. It's amazing! These monthly work-at-your-own-pace activities encourage learning, reading, and creativity in kiddos aged 3 to 6, and each box has an array of hands-on activities, crafts, and worksheets, which you can structure to match your child's pace and level of development. And the best part is that every box has a set of focus skills, so each month you get new and exciting material to work on. The work you do at home now with your kids is so important for their future. Let the preschool box help you and your child have fun learning together. Head over right now to thepreschoolbox.com and use code PARENTDRIVEN to get $5 off your first preschool box. Welcome to Parent Driven Development. Just a quick reminder before we move into the show that we love being able to provide you with this content and we want to be able to continue to do so. We're on Patreon and would love your support. Most people just give $5 a month, which really helps us continue to do what we love and share it with all of you. Thanks in advance for your support. Now on to the show. I'm Allison and today I'm here with my friend Jess. Hey, I'm Jess and I'm here with my friend Chris. Howdy, I'm Chris, and today we are talking about interviewing as a parent and kind of the, the hiring process overall and how juggling that works with all these other family things. Jess, you're, you're literally writing the book on how to do this. I guess it's the <laughs> other way around, right? You're on, on hiring if it's from the uh, CTO point of view. Yeah, I, I have been working on a book. Gosh, it's a lot of work. But I was literally writing about hiring and interviewing this past week. Today, even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fresh. Yeah, it's fresh. I guess there's a lot to say. But, you know, I, I was actually talking with somebody a little earlier today who's a first-time CTO. And he was asking me, how do you even do it? So that was fun to kind of think about, but I, he was especially interested in how do you re reduce bias in the interview process. And this is something that's actually been on my mind quite a lot, because by the time this drops, it'll be public. I've accepted a new job over at AWS, and I'm very excited. And I went through a bunch of interviews <laughs> along the way and got a lot of different takes. So uh, it was kind of fun. Like I, I don't go out for interviews very often, so it's kind of fun to see it from the candidate perspective. Give me a lot to think about. How long had it been since you'd gone, you'd gone for an interview? So I interviewed with Axios about two years ago or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that was like really only one. And I had occasional conversations with like CEOs here and there. Cause like CTO positions are strange to interview for. <laughs> they don't really advertise them. But then before that, honestly, it had been a decade just about. Right. So yeah. I have strong opinions about the the interview process and how we do it in tech and how it really negatively impacts not just parents, but really anyone who has sort of outside of work caregiving sort of uh, responsibilities. And yeah, yeah, I have some, I have some opinions on this too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was writing about, because specifically 
a big challenge in tech hiring, obviously, is assessing that someone has the technical skills to do the job. And I was writing about the different ways that we can assess technical skills. And a lot of the thinking here has actually come from conversations <laughs> with the two of you. <laughs> so I don't want to tell people like your theories on this, but I think that they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> oh, well, I'd say a lot of it was my opinions were formed with the firsthand experience of trying to help Allison go through... <laughs> a lot of different interviews and our background is you know we've we've known each other and been friends back before was it before you even had your first you know job in tech yeah it's been a long time <laughs> yeah yeah it has been a while and and watch it and it went from like you know first ever tech job from a career switcher like with a you know non-traditional background and, and then like the second one and the third one. And there were a lot of different things where I was like, no, no, like it's no fun. The first one, the second one will be easy. And then all of these like misconceptions that I had, my head just got smashed. And I was like, oh, 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 well, I was really, really wrong about that. And I'm pretty sure that's just common accepted assumptions. <laughs> and so that definitely swayed very much a lot of my opinions and a lot of like, as now a hiring manager, how I approach yeah. doing things, because some of that's just kind of embarrassing as an industry and doesn't do what we think it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Allison, I remember you talking a bit about the kind of like, especially at home testing and kind of the impact that had on you. I wonder if you could share some of that. I personally am pretty adamantly against at-home testing. I've come around on this a little bit and mostly because I truly believe that the way that candidates should be interviewed now is the way that they, like you're trying to to see what a candidate can accomplish, in which case like you should put them in the best possible scenario to accomplish that. Now, for some folks, that is a, you know, that is a take home. For other folks, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pairing session. But in the same way that we wouldn't expect somebody to, to pair for, you know, four or five hours straight, or, you know, like we should, we should look at what, what types of characteristics, like what we're actually looking for in candidates, and then make sure that we're interviewing based on based on that. My my big issue with take home sort of being more of the industry standard is that oftentimes, I would say an average take home from a company, they anticipate it taking about six to eight hours. Man, the last time that I had eight hours to myself in like, or six hours or three hours to myself in one go that wasn't sort of during the workday was literally six years ago before I had a child. And most folks, like, let's be honest, most folks that don't have outside responsibilities, they're not going to be like, oh, the company only said six hours. I spent my six hours. I'm just going to submit what I've got. Like, they're going to put in 20 hours if they have 20 hours. And if, you know, if there isn't sort of like timed mechanism where the, you know, challenge actually closes after a certain amount of time. And so, of course, like the any submission that that I would submit, which is maybe like, you know, two hours of work here, two hours of work between 10 p.m. and midnight and three more hours, you know, maybe I could cobble that together. So, you know, three hours like while I'm watching a monitor because one kid is napping and one kid is like watching TV on the iPad, whatever. Like, of course, that's not going to be as 
good of a submission as like if I could actually sit down for, you know, six hours and be focused and get in the zone and, you know, spend time context switching even into it before I have to like press that start button. You know, so I just I think that it's a really I don't think that it's a that it's a fair way to to assess candidates. Yeah. You know, it's like it benefits folks that just have all of the time and all of the space and all of the ability to to sit and do a challenge like that. And oftentimes these challenges are like not representative whatsoever of the actual work that you will be doing day to day. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's like write an algorithm to move buckets of water from this place to that place. No, I'm not doing that. Or like, here's like a blank page. It's like, tell me when I'm going to get like a completely <laughs> green field, like from scratch all by myself, yeah. like do this thing. It's like, that's just, it just doesn't happen in like the real day to day. So like, what is an actual situation, you know, where that could adequately ac- assess my ability as a candidate? And even the the folks that that try to be, conscious about like I don't want it to take too long I'll make sure it's only an hour that's just not how it normally works <laughs> like you know yeah. the, the really good people will go and research it and figure out every angle and then come up with something clever and and you know answer the question and they look very impressive but that was because you know the thing that's like ah we you should knock it out in an hour and then they spent 10 hours on it yeah and it can be hard to create a project that's small enough and representative of the kind yes. of work you know, it's interesting from from like the employer perspective, I've thought a lot about the ways that I can assess talent. And I think a lot of what I write about, frankly, is that they're all flawed yeah, <laughs> in different ways. And it's like, so the take home has these flaws of like people who have time. Obviously, the, the pairing, I think, is also challenging because mm-hmm. like a lot of engineers are introverts and yeah. that could be hard. That's like true. whiteboard coding, same reasons. And it's like kind of like pick your poison, yeah. I think, is an interesting thing. So I don't know, like I, these days I like a short, a very short sort of at home thing to kind of demonstrate that. And I also like mixing it in with some pairing for a little while, but clearly capped like an hour. And again, it's, it's such a weak signal though. I think it's tough. Yeah. The process that I've been doing for the last few roles that the last few times I've hired is a problem prompt. So it's more about sort of coming up. It, it actually isn't straight writing code, but it's more like, oh, here's a thing that we want to do. Like, how would you Mm. propose going about it? It's two hours and it's paired with a, there's a, you know, rubric that goes along with it, which is sort of like, is the person using jargon? Like, do you understand sort of what they're talking about? Like, it feels more real and it's combined with a conversation. So our actual sort of like in-person technical interview is a conversation about that submission so it's like oh interesting like what what were you thinking when you like when you first read the problem prompt how did you start like brainstorming like what approach you might take because that is it's short it feels a little bit more like real world and I I think it also gives the at least what I've also heard from candidates is that it gives them a really good idea of what it would feel like to to work with their team members because again the the second part of it is a conversation about that, right? So they're sort of like, they're talking about the idea. They're being like, oh, but did you think about this? Or like, oh, what about, you know, it's it's an actual conversation like you would have if product was like, hey, we want to like build this thing, right? And you actually had to have a conversation with other teammates about how how you might go about doing that. And so I found 
I found that that works well. I found that candidates, I get good feedback on it from candidates so far. I still hate the fact that I am like sending any sort of take home at all. But to me, it seems like an okay compromise. But I agree, right? It's like, it's, it's totally pick your poison. I think every way that we can approach hiring is flawed. And so, you know, for me, I feel like it's trying to find like, the one that I hope is like least painful and most beneficial, both for the candidate and for our like assessment of a candidate. Yeah. We've switched to no take home. Most of the technical interview is either just talking through questions kind of a little more abstract or with uh, pair programming, you know, and it's jumping on a screen share and working through the thing. The part that's tricky about that is it really depends on the pair that you're assigning them and how well that person can put the candidate at ease, especially if never done pair programming before and what that's like. That's really hard. Like that's a skill that you have to develop and you can't just, you know, if they're not available, it's not going to be the same experience. And it's also harder to do like apples to apples. Like, whereas if you had take home tests, it's the same test. (laughs) And so there's definite downsides and try to accommodate for it, but it's not easy. Yeah, that's actually a really good other point, though, this question of bias in in interviewing and hiring judgment. I feel like it's one of the places where bias really comes out the most. To be fair, bias comes out everywhere. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's true. But OK, let's just talk about it here for a second. Because so like, OK, I interviewed with a bunch of places this time around and I got some feedback from a couple people. And you two know I'm very technical. <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but, but I got some feedback. They were like, oh, we really love that how you're great with people and strategy, but we don't think that you have the engineering skills to handle this problem. And I'm like, you didn't even try to assess that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, how do you reduce bias in your own interviewing processes? We have a rubric for every round, which I think has been really, really helpful. And then also just sort of, you know, understanding bias, I think is, is part of it. Not this past job hunt, but the, uh, the one a few years ago, uh, I asked in, I asked in interviews what the parental leave policy was. And I knew like it was, it's actually a really, really challenging job hunt. And, you know, I had this, I had this sort of fork where I was like, do I stop? Like, I don't want to stop asking about what the parental leave policy is because it's important to me because I had a really, really, really tough experience after I had my first. And I wanted to make sure that I was ending up in a better situation in a place that was more supportive of parents. But it was very obvious that like sometimes the entire tone of the interview would change after I asked that question. Mm. It was so difficult because, um, you know, this is one of the things that I suggest when people are asking how they can support parents. You know, I suggest like if if everybody's asking about like parental leave policies or like how like you don't even specifically have to say like how are parents supported, but you can say like how are different groups of individuals supported. Like if if everyone's asking about that, then it doesn't become like it doesn't become the thing where if the if I, as a person who may have another kid, asks about it, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, they're asking about parental leave. I don't know about this. Even though legally they can't, you know, that can't be a, a factor in the decision. Like, you know, people are people. It, it plays in. <laughs> right. I've seen so, so many people have had these experiences where like, 
things are legally protected, but before someone hires you, it's so fuzzy and there's a million reasons that people can give that it didn't make sense. Not a cultural fit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's definitely tricky because I've I've seen we're talking about candidates and like, oh, and they asked about this and you know, I've asked about parental leave and heard from other folks, you know, one of the previous companies with like Oh, like they're asking about leave during the interview process. That's not a good sign. And you're like, well, this is a really big deal to some people. Like this is a quality of life differentiator. <laughs> so we, we have to be able to handle that. I would like as a, a parent interviewing, what are good signs that y'all have seen from companies or, or things that you might want to look for? When kids randomly pop into interviews or like when, or like if, or if like one of my children sort of, re- you know, or randomly popped into a meeting or an interview or whatever, that, it, that it's a non-event, right? So, you know, or it's like a, you know, like they say hi to the kid or whatever. So yeah, I mean that, that for me is a good sign. I also, I have always asked about if there are other parents on the team and I will also often ask about how many moms are on the team because I do I do think that there is a difference sometimes between well okay so here's here's for me what the difference is there is a societal pressure and a societal difference I think between being a a, a working mom and a working dad and I think the other aspect of it is that from what I've seen in the industry men are more likely to potentially have stay-at-home spouses whereas if there are women on the team they're more likely to be in you know dual income or dual working sort of situations which which is just like it's just different right like both situations have pros cons etc but like it is different and so i will always ask about like parents on the team and then i'll sort of be like and like are any of those moms those are Mm -hmm. those are questions that i often ask yeah it's like you know i was looking Part of the the signals I was looking for in the culture of the teams that I was looking to join is like, do they reward people evenly, regardless of sort of identifying characteristics or life circumstances? And some of the ways that I was assessing that specific, so I mean, I'm, I'm trans and I was asking like, do you have other trans employees and can I speak with them? And so like at one company, I spoke with a, a trans person. I was like, well, what's the highest rank? like trans person that you know of in this company, do people get promoted who are trans? And I think the same thing is true for being a parent. And like, do people get promoted even though they have like children? Do people, especially moms, have the space? Do they feel supported? And like, frankly, a a number of companies allowed me to speak with members of staff outside of the interview committee when I asked. And I think that that's something that I've done very, very happily in the past as well. So that might be an option too, is to like, hey, can I talk to another mom on the team? I like that approach a lot, and I, I think it's just such a good way to handle it and, and get good good quality feedback of, of what things are really like at that company, Yeah, things that matter. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, quite frankly, especially now when when working moms are, are just leaving the, leaving the workforce in droves. I mean, you know, the articles that are coming out and the numbers are just – it is something that, like, truly, truly – worries me and and something that you know that i 
I feel like is is deeply concerning. And so, yeah, like, especially right now, right? What has the, which I guess, like, that's another question. And I, I haven't asked this in the past. But the last time that I did interviewing, I had a few candidates ask me, you know, what has the company done to support employees during, you know, during COVID-19 and during this time? And, and I think it's a great question. And I think that even in the future, it's a great question to ask, like, you know, when this was, when this was happening, like what were, what were some of the accommodations made? What was the language used? How were parents supported or, or not supported during this time where we're sort of wearing multiple hats on multiple occasions? Yeah, I like that. So what about bad signs? When you ask about parental leave and the entire tone of the interview changes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I had some interesting signs when, I don't know, like I'd be interviewing with someone and they're clearly very judgmental. That's very direct. I also look at the leadership team and sort of when the leadership team are parents, I know that they're going to understand my needs in that domain when they're young, especially, you know, <laughs> typical people in tech. <laughs> I know Exactly. I don't know. I think the leadership team often just... Like regardless of company intent, the company often reflects the values of the leadership team and their unconscious values too. The lack of other parents is a big thing. I know with the team I'm on, for a long time, almost every person on the team was a parent. And so we we had, it was the exception to have somebody that wasn't, that didn't have kids. And then just by kind of, since that was the way that was normal and nobody ever questioned the, like, oh, got to take my kid to the dentist or, uh school just called or whatever that was that was never a problem because everybody just got it so yeah a bad sign would not be not having having folks there or i think leadership is is good and and you know just kind of the composition of the group that you're going to be working in yeah one kind of a oblique question i've used is can you tell me about how you handle flexibility like when things mm. happen inevitably and don't even talk about like i need to pick up my kid or whatever but just like stuff happens in the world <laughs> How do you deal with it? That's a good way to phrase it without putting off people or at least at least getting a feel for how much further you can you can ask questions is yeah because I think folks that get it will move move right into that discussion and if they were going to change the tone and shut down the the interview, you'd figure that out. <laughs> yeah yeah. I do also think that asking about parental leave can be a good indicator. You know, parental leave is fairly complex in this country, right? Like, do they have the, like, you have to be at the company for a year before you can even access any parental leave? Do you, you know, is there any paid? Is it like, how is it paid? Is it sort of just like, like, you know, paid? Or is there like a combination of short term? Like, are there a bunch of sort of hoops that you need to jump through, you know, there are, you know, I think that asking about a company's parental leave, is it available for like, primary and secondary caregiver, you know, like, what is that balance? Like, how many folks actually take their how many folks take the full parental leave if it is because even if a company does have like a really good parental leave policy, like, how many people take it? And like, what is the 
what is the split of people who take it versus versus people who don't so i do think that you know asking about parental leave can provide some really interesting information about like how the company thinks about parental leave on a bunch of different levels right like what does the company provide but then also do people feel comfortable taking it do you know primary or secondary like do i guess like the the birthing person and the non-birthing person, like, do they take it evenly or does that not happen? Because, you know, you do get into the situation where, you know, the, the birthing partner will take the leave because they need like the, you know, actual time for medical recovery, et cetera, et cetera. But the, you know, non-birthing partner won't, which, you know, it, it just like further sort of stigmatizes or whatever like oh it really only is that like the birthing partner or whatever that actually takes the takes leave and other folks right. even though it's available to them they generally don't and so you know i think that there are a lot of answers that you can get just about company and company culture by asking some questions around that yeah i think related to that what i you know especially when talking to the you know other folks within the company is the figuring out the flexibility and understanding just the day to day. I know one thing that makes a big difference for me is be, you know, if I can stop and run the carpool or, you know, do the thing at the school or, you know, those sorts of things and just being able to adjust hours accordingly. Some places are totally cool with that and other other folks not so much. And, you know, depending on what stage the kids are in, that can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the last thing is also just PTO, right? Paid time off. I know that there there are lots of varied opinions about unlimited time off, but like unlimited time off, I feel like just like saves me. Like if I worked at a place where I had like two or three weeks of vacation and that was like, and that was that, I just, so like Devin has not including Thanksgiving he just like has like five or six days off and like an additional like three or four half days <laughs> in November, like for no reason. Like I don't like, like ironically, the one actual day that I get off of work, he actually has school. So, so like it's, you know, but so between like between random school days off and half days and me actually being able to take a day or two here and there that's just sort of like for myself to like actually recharge and not, you know, and not burn out. Plus, I mean, you know, hopefully this year we won't really have to worry as much about like sick days. But I mean, in the winters with kids, like the, the amount of time that you end up having to take for, for like illness is, it's just, it all like really, really, really adds up. And, you know, if you don't have like a decent PTO, the ability to take a decent amount of PTO, then you, you just have to watch those days so, so closely. And you never take any days for yourself to recover or to recharge because you're just so carefully guarding those days for any like random child related occurrence that may come up. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you right now being remote actually has been a blessing because my ex is a medical resident now up here at Hopkins and so she's been going through some ridiculous rotations and her schedule's been just absolutely like 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. basically every day which is like Ooh. when Quinn wakes up to when he goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I'm basically living in Baltimore during the week to help out and handle those kinds of things. And, you know, I love being able to spend the time with him and have that flexibility and like where I work is especially right now, totally unbound. But I think that's a really important policy also for companies to have like workplace flexibility as well, because you never know when you need to just kind of like be somewhere else and you can be, you can work fine. Physically, you just got to be somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times that I have like taken, I mean, I'm not doing pickup or drop off right now, but where I've like had to be at pickup, let's say at a certain time. And I like had a meeting up until that time. So I would just like find some, some point in time, like during the afternoon where I could just drive to preschool and then just like, hang out like in the parking lot or like whatever and like do my last two meetings or like my you know like an hour or two of work and then take my last meeting and then do pickup it hasn't been a small number of times (laughs) you know and like but I have the I have the flexibility to do that because I work remotely and so you know it's totally agree yeah So this is the part of our show where we talk about a moment from the last couple of weeks that has been a genius. So something that's been really, really great or a fail, something that hasn't been so great related to parenting. Who wants to go first? Oh, I am dealing with such a fail. I feel like right now. Uh, I just have to share. So my kid is five and a half and he just keeps having constant accidents. It's like sometimes it's two or three times a day. Like I was home with him on election day and like he just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but we went through like four different changes and I don't know. Like I feel like five, like most kids have this worked out. And so now I'm like, Am I a horrible parent? Am I like making him so anxious all the time? I don't even know what I'm doing. We've tried so many different things. So I don't know. I think the next thing is a is a child psychologist, honestly, because I'm at wit's end. But oh, it is such a fail that I'm dealing with right now. Uh, it just seems like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and every, every kid is different. I, you know, my sample size of two was just night and day. But man, mm-hmm. that... And and uh, with our daughter, who was like a piece of cake in hindsight, I remember we, we thought it was going horribly. Once we got out of it and looked back, we're like, oh, actually, she was a pro. What, I don't see why why we'd have any complaints. <laughs> well, I keep my fingers crossed, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll get there. I have one, you know, stuck at home, quarantining. The kids don't get to go out anywhere. We've been playing board games, which is great. I'm actually very proud of the kids for suggesting them. It's not that, you know... Dad is making them do this. And one of the games that we've been playing is Code Names, which is uh, you you see a bunch of words out on cards and you have to give clues for somebody to guess it. And we sat down and my daughter, who's in high school, was trying to figure out one of the words. And I, I think she whispered it to her brother, who was, you know, the other clue giver and was like, what's what's set let a? What's set let a? And he's like, what? And she points to the card and he goes, oh, that's Satellite. And the insult to injury is, you know, it's her, her younger brother was pointing this out and that she just, you know, she's dyslexic and has, you know, some, you know, interpretation problems trying to read letters and things like that. So it's, it's all, all very understandable, but she couldn't figure out the word satellite. And then the best part about this whole thing is we went on to troll her for another 45 minutes where we only played songs that were named satellite. Oh no. 
And let me tell you, there's a lot. And we, you know, it's everybody from like Coltrane to Nine Inch Nails to Nickelback and Dave Matthews. It was it was fantastic. The list of people that had a song named Satellite, and she was just like sitting there, rolling her eyes at us the whole time, and I loved it. <laughs> I have a, I think it's a fail turn genius. Well, yeah, so. We're currently staying at a rental house and the door, the room that my daughter is in doesn't, well, so it didn't, it didn't like close fully, which was fun. Like she never tried to, if she tried to leave her room, she would just like walk out of her room and like yell from the top of the stairs, I am out of my room. And then like three (laughs) minutes later, she'd just go back into her room. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't a big deal. But about a week ago, she discovered that she could not only go out of her door, but she could actually leave her room. And so this sort of kicked off a few days of chaos where, like, she would just, like, go into her brother's room and, like, start, you know, like, just sitting on the floor and playing with toys and stuff and, you know, bothering, just sort of, like, bothering him and and then, you know, like, coming downstairs and you know and with with my son when he did it we like we just I mean adult time is boring right we're not doing anything interesting and so just sort of you know he like did it for a day or two and then he was like this is boring but she like really stuck to it and you know there were a couple of nights in a row where she was you know where she was downstairs until like 10 30 or 11 o'clock so our next step was my husband fixed the door a little bit so the door could actually close, but it still didn't latch. And then, so the fail was that then for three nights, we alternate who puts which kid to sleep. So whoever was putting her to sleep had to then sit outside of her door and like hold the (laughs) handle. Yeah, so like hold the handle shut. (laughs) So that she couldn't open the door, which is like, you know, we, we learned by like the second or third day to prep for it. So like, you know, we'd make sure that like the chair was outside of her room with like the phone and your headphones so that you could at least sort of like sit and like watch something on like your phone or the iPad, like while you were like holding the, holding the door shut. Anyway, and her big thing is that like she yell like she's like she's now in in underwear full time. And so she'll just be like, I have to go potty. But like and actually, like sometimes she has to go potty, but most of the time she doesn't actually have to go potty. So it's like that's there's like a whole parental judgment call in there also where you're like, I mean, she might have an accident, (laughs) but also anytime that you go in and put her on the potty, like it just like fuels her fire to like keep screaming about it. So it's just, yeah, it was sort of like mayhem. But the the good part is that I will say that two nights ago, two nights, three nights, I think it's only been two nights, but basically two nights ago, she did not try to leave her room at all. But she has, she still has the discovered freedom of coming, like coming out of her bed. But what she's been doing is just like, doing puzzle like she's just sort of been like wandering around her room and playing with things and whatnot and then when she gets tired she's been going and turning off her light and getting into bed and going to sleep so hopefully hopefully that will continue happening (laughs) 
<laughs> my kid does the same stuff. He like asks for water all the time. That's his uh, trick. <laughs> we have like they have the cup of water in the room. They have, but yeah, yeah, have to go potty, and it's just like it's such a hard judgment call as a parent because sometimes, mm. like, sometimes she literally like. Sometimes she will go to the bathroom literally every single time we put her on the potty, even though it's only been like 20 minutes since the last time she likes that on the potty. So I don't know. Every like, it feels like every night we're potentially being great parents or awful parents. Who knows? So anyway, <laughs> that's, that's my fail turn genius turn. Who knows if it'll be a fail again. I just like the picture of walking out the door and then like yeah. bracing oh, yeah. against it I so that pictures. the kid can't, can't <laughs> escape. <laughs> I took pictures. I was like, yay, That's parenting. Awesome. <laughs> At least we're all in the same club, yeah. right? <laughs> all right. Thank you everyone so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And again, if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon or patreon.com slash parentdrivendev and rate us on iTunes. Mm-hmm.